Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sometimes needing new tires can catch us by surprise. That's why tire power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tirepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. For BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Hello and welcome <laughs> to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years in the tyre industry. BF Goodrich will be there to drive you on your next on or off-road adventure. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Happy New Year, Edmund. Well, it's good to be back. It's actually it fantastic is. to be back to talk rubbish with you. We uh, had a strange year, so hopefully this year is a, a little bit better for ourselves. Are you feeling sort of recharged? We've had a couple of weeks off listening to some of uh, some of our best work from last year, just Onwards to bigger and better things. I am not feeling recharged. I'm absolutely spent because you've been you've been chasing. I've been fishing so hard. I have been fishing hard, hard, hard. I actually said to Kari last week, I need a few days off to recharge because how does that go down when your job is to go out and catch fish? Obviously, that's what you do Mm -hmm. with with Salt God. That's your tutorial videos um, that you you run with with Gwaine. but for most people, fishing is a it's a pastime, mate. You know, go, I'm going to go out for a fish. I just need to relax a bit. You're doing, you get to relax every day. You've got the easiest job in the world. Don't you just run around on an oval and kick a ball? Off the side of your boot sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a love-hate relationship, to tell you the honest truth. I actually really don't enjoy fishing summer, and I'll be honest with you. I, I do struggle with the traffic of the boats. I tend to avoid the days where I know it's going to be busy. You're uh, turning into one of those... Old guys I'm just an arrogant Queenscliff local now that just doesn't like, like people. One of those old guys, oh, they come in with their, <laughs> their big boats and then no respect. I, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I try and avoid it. I, I just get a bit... Uh, we'll talk a little bit about later about uh, putting your boat in the water, but yeah, I line... That's like, what, sort of why we're here to yeah, chat, mate. We'll talk later about that. That's, a, that's in Red's tip, so wait till the end. But line, like Queenscliff ramp has been onwards of two hours at times to put your boat in. I'm not sitting there for two hours to go fishing when I can go the next day when it's going to be blowing 15 to 20 knot winds, get my tide right and go chase something else. It's it's a better option than driving over the Westgate at the moment. Yeah, you copped it during the week. Mate. A couple of times. Don't drive around Melbourne at the moment. It is a pain in the ass. Nightmare. Actually, now you've said that, you know what also is? Dumb people, and I don't mean by it to be too specific there because it seems like there's a lot out there and I shouldn't, I hope you're not one of these people listening, but there's a lot of them. Well, I've always said that you... I classify. Well, I, I'm relate, in that right. You relate well. Well, to I've got. I think I've got street smarts, but like this is sort of street smarts, but dumb smarts because <laughs> <laughs> if you no Ocean Grove, I live in Ocean Grove, okay. beautiful part of the world. Uh, people can't travel around Victoria. At the, oh, sorry, can only travel around Victoria. As such few other places here and there. But we'll, we'll, let's be honest, most people have stayed in Victoria at the moment. Yep. Why are they doing bloody roadworks? that they could have done all winter from the drive from Queenscliff to Ocean Grove where I can't even 
The line is nearly 30 minutes. It's longer than the boat ramp at Queenscliff. Is that dumb? I actually can't. I can't engage in this conversation with you because... You've copped it? This happens happens in every state, mind you. This isn't just a Victoria central... Is it just dumb? I don't know why. Every year, all the road companies decide, you know what? When's (laughs) when's the best time to start all of our roadworks? I reckon let's go with December. Yeah, right when the tourist period's on. Right when it's going to be packed to... It's just stupid. It makes no sense. Oh, anyway, back to fishing. You know, Sorry, what you know what doesn't make sense either? The tuna at the moment, because they've been somewhat challenging compared to last season. Seen some great sort of catches up around um, lower New South Wales. We've seen some good catches in Victoria, but it's been inconsistent. Seen some great catches, Victor Harbour Way in SA. My little mate, our little mate, Ned McHenry uh, of the Crows. Yes, he, he, um, North Bank six man, same as mine. Super well... Last week, I think he caught six for the day. The dirtiest boat I've ever seen, mate. Use Worse your, than mine. Use your deck wash a bit more. Anyway, decided to bleed it out on the deck. They've been a bit tough. Uh, yeah, so back at home here, it's great to see that... When I say back at home, I'm referring to outside the Port Phillip Bay Heads. I'm going to do. I'm going to go through a bit of recap fishing that has been happening around the whole country. I'm going to hit Victoria up and I'm going to do the whole country as well. But... It's great to see them returning their numbers. Now, Pat, it's funny you say that they're not biting like last year. And it's it, it, the reason I say it's funny that you've said that is because so many people have said that. But I tell you what, those tuna that rocked up last year, as in the way they did, I was away in uh, down at Port Campbell for the Australia Day long weekend, and I was camping down there. And that's when I had the phone calls of people saying they're going stupid, like, as in they, they can't catch them. There's lots of fish here. Sometimes they bite, sometimes they don't. It wasn't till actually into mid-Feb is when they started to feed really well. So I'm not sure if it's a water temp thing as it drops off because it went right through to COVID. As the water, I know we peaked water temp around that Feb, but as it dropped off towards when COVID actually started, we were getting them every day consistently. So they're actually doing the same thing as what they were last year. They're feeding very early in the morning and very late in the afternoon. In saying that, I went out midday last week with Nipper and cross, uh, Zach from Cross a little, Country. A little mate, Nipsey. Yeah, Nipsky come out with me. Little three foot four man, but he um he we headed out and we we crack, Zach from Cross Country Charters we had him on the show a little while ago and if you want to listen to our any any of our shows head to our Real Adventures app and you can lit- literally listen to it in the palm of your hand ready to go so we headed out Zach was smacking him he got I think he said forty eight for the day for his clients releasing over half of those yep. kept a few for his clients and I headed out there and they were. Every, so how we're seeing them at the moment is they're in big schools and you rock up to them and they're just turning on their side looking at you. They're just sleep sleeping. So you need to be smart on how we chase these fish around home. You need to not not chase those fish that aren't eating. You need to find fish that are eating. People are going to the same area every day. There's 200 boats there. The fish are in acre forms just laying there looking at you. You're not going to catch them if they're not feeding. If they're not feeding, it doesn't work like that. And you might see one bloke hook one, then another one 20 minutes later hook one. There's 150 boats in that area. There's 550 lures out there. It's it's not it's not working like that. It's That's not smart fishing. Move away. Go for a look. You and I did it. I know we didn't have any luck doing it, but you and I pushed away the other week, went down and had a look down off Aries. We didn't find the fish. We knew the fish were back closer, but we went away from the boat traffic. This time it didn't didn't work for us. But it could have worked and we could have had a day out while everyone caught nothing. Because every time they pop up, you have oh. 15, 20 boats yeah. that all fly to where they've just popped up. 100%. Majority of the time you're going to spook them, especially if they're not, they're not feeding. Like you just there's, there's very, very little hope. I was actually watching it from my deck the other day, watching the, the boats would push right down. You see the schools pop up, boats fly to it. And they go down. And they go down. Yeah. So He was, he was hypnotic watching it. So... 
Fish, the simple thing to do is try and get away if you can. But great to see that they've come back. Uh, it, it's it's been great. The whiting fishing. Oh, I keep saying they get better and better. I actually don't think they are. I think they're staying the same, but they're yep. just really good to catch. They're they're in great numbers. Fantastic. I just loaded you up with some some this morning. I've given you a heap. It's the only way I'm getting uh, fish at the moment. I gave you I'm fifty fillets, five bags of ten loaded you up during the week, fresh. I appreciate it. So, so how how are you chasing them at the moment? Yeah, with rods. <laughs> no, I'm using the stock standard rig, 12-pound leader, Gamagatu size 6 worm hook on the end, and just squid. No pippy at the moment. The sinker will always vary in size depending on where you fish. And you've also got the gummies offshore too. They've been fishing really, really well. So everything's pretty red hot at the moment. Chasing that dirty water again when it comes well, to the whiting. It's funny you say that. Yes, if you can get that, yes, guaranteed you're going to have the day out. But they're that thick that you haven't had to be like doing the, the right things all the time. You're getting away with it. You can always go and get your, your feet of fish through that clear water. You might have to move a couple of times and burly a couple of times, but it's great to see that there, there just must be a lot of them in the bay. And fisheries reckon that they, they had a massive count with their juvenile, so it's only going to get better and better, hopefully, in the next three and four years. But like I said to you, Pat, I don't think it can get much better with that whiting fishery. And the snapper, I'm gonna, we do have a question later in the week, later down in the social club about snapper. So I won't talk too much about that now. That's just coming up after the break. But the snapper fishing is well worth doing as well, Pat. But the whole Victoria's gone crazy with the fishing. Have you seen what's been caught in the last couple of weeks? We've got marlin in Malacuta. Crazy. Swordfish through the summer of lakes. So basically, they have been renowned. They've only sort of been worked out the last few years, and they've been yep. a winter fishery. Yep. Daniel Riosa, good friend of mine, headed out, landed two in a day. But that is, I don't see that as all that unusual. Certainly, I, because either do I, to be honest. There's, there's so little research that's gone into them, so little fishing that's gone into it. One, because you go out that far to catch them anyway. You're restricted with the amount of days you to- can do it, time and days mm. that you can do it for anglers. So it's not like you can get a really good grasp on the snapper fishery or the whiting fishery or. Um, you're constantly, you're, everyone's learning still a lot. Co- correct. Where you would think the whiting snapper mostly down pat. Well, you, you get so much information yep. because there's so many angler, anglers that fish for them, but there's few that fish for swordfish. So there's never going to be that good a documentation on it. So really, you never, you don't know how big they can possibly get because... No, we don't. And that's, you, that's the scary thing. You know, it's a fascinating fishery. And why so many see it as the pinnacle when it comes to rod yep. and reel? Yeah, and yeah, I haven't still yet to land one. I've done it twice and hooked two, and I, I still think you are right. It is even when I used to play my games as a kid on my even on the phone or even on on the PlayStation. Swordfish was that one. You swordfish. always you went straight to the dark screen. <laughs> swordfish, <laughs> uh, kingfish, crazy Pat, uh, right around the whole state. Uh, to be honest with you, and into New South Wales and into South Australia, it is phenomenal to see that they're really making their return. And I say that because years ago they weren't existent. Realistically, they were very hard to catch, but now. Anywhere you you can go to Welshpool, you can go down past Malacuta, you can go to New South Wales, you can go Port Phillip Bay Heads, out west out of Western Port, Apollo Bay, Portland, and you can catch kingfish. Um, uh, a technique that you really like to use, obviously, uh, slow trawling with squid strips. Yep. When you go out and buy lures from your tackle stores, it's really important, I think, and it's worth you sort of going through it. And we've obviously used plenty of bungee casts that have been successful yep. last year. Um, soft plastics at different stages. But fishing the lure correctly, do you just want to talk us through? It's not one size fits all when it comes to reeling in a lure. Uh, 
Yeah, surface and lure fishing as well. It's it, they all have their purpose, place, and technique. So what I mean by that is, and, and so does each individual lure. Not everything is ripped in as quickly as you possibly no. can. Sometimes it's the subtlety of, of reeling it in slowly, so to really exaggerate the action of the lure, which it's been designed to move in a certain way. Yeah, and an easy way to explain that, Paddy, is for instance, if you're trawling for tuna, you've got a really big uh, cupped lure head. You're not going to have that really far back that's going to grab a lot of water and make it quite active so you want that near your wash where as your shotgun lure which is your furthest lure back you want to have like a maybe even a bullet head which is weighted to keep it down a bit further and also you want to have a slim head so it swims in a straighter line that's in the lure side of things so you want to have them in the right positions and like you said before with the casting side of it a bungee cast which we use is designed to cast and move more rapidly a popper for instance cup faced once again to cast out and the way you move that popper is to create a splash through the water and throw a massive bubble trail so you're not doing that 100 mile an hour like a bungee cast where you're just winding that you're actually using the popper and the site the size of the cup of the face to how fast you want to use that you've also got different subsurface divers that you cast out that are actually like they've got twitch tails so you when you wind them you actually don't want to go too fast because you won't let the tail do its work you want to actually move it quite slowly the plastics i find determining on the day what works better so we caught a lot of tuna and a lot of kingfish on soft plastics over the past well a long time to be honest with you but i i've found that different days and the way i've found when the fish are feeding and they're feeding but moving in the same way so what i mean is if you can see the water moving i guess it sort of looks like the mighty ducks the arrow i guess and that's what the <laughs> fish sort of look like there's one leading at the front and you can see the ripples moving forward I find when they're moving like that and they're feeding quite hard like that, a faster technique works a lot better, yep. on the, especially on a soft plastic. Where if you find that they're feeding on a bait ball or something tighter, I find putting it in, letting it actually sink down, then kicking it back up, and then letting it sink back down, I find that's when you tend to use your soft plastic retrieval a lot slower than what you would just cranking it out. of. The, you cast into the bait and you just crank it out as fast as you can, all of a sudden it's gone where I'd let it sink down through the bait and pop it out the side of it a couple of times slowly so it's in that strike zone longer because what's happening in the bait ball is those tuna and the likes are working it together and when the weakest fish that gets pushed out of the side is when the fish that gets eaten and quite often that's either, for instance, on a marlin. You throw a a marlin live bait in, a slimy mackerel in there, they've got the seals and the marlin have got that bait ball wrapped up tightly but the one that falls out the side is the one that gets eaten and that reason it falls out of the side is because it's got a hook through its nose, it's not swimming properly, and it can't also go anywhere if it's on a line as well, if you're holding yep. it tight too. So there's different ways to fish, and yeah, it's a good point that you make there. Uh, if you're a family on vacation at the moment, what's the one species that you're targeting right now mm. that's the easiest to catch before we head to the break? Oh. Tuna would have to be the hardest if you're going out and you want to catch a tuna. Because that's what people see. Yeah, they say, yeah. oh, how um, great would it be to catch a tuna? Yeah, but if you want to enjoy the day. That's why you, when you, I pulled that up, uh, it's it's a bit harder to get them. Uh, you've got your squid, your whiting, and your flooded. I'm going to have to go with it. And to be honest with you, they're probably the tastiest in the sea that we, uh, in our bay that we have. I think it's that I'd have to go those three would be the three to target. Time your tides with your whiting. When it runs, you do the whiting. When it stops... You do the squid, and when it starts again, you can go anchor up, put a burly cage down, or go drift and catch some really nice blue spot flattered. Up next, we've got the Social Club. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge. And don't forget to download the new Real Adventures app. It has all our latest podcasts, fishing news, tips, and recipes. 
You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Redmond, unfortunately, we've seen quite a few drownings and incidences right around uh, the country at the moment. When it comes to being safe uh, and heading to the beach each day with your family, the same principle actually applies when you're looking for bodies of water in which to fish for. Talk us through around setting up on the beach, the, the, the best ways, the easiest ways to be safe, particularly when there isn't the, the red flags out there of the surf lifesavers and guarded beaches. But also, you apply that same principle when you're looking for little potholes along the beaches, those darker water channels, yep. which is where you'll get those bigger predatory fish that are chasing you know, those smaller smaller fish you'll see on the shoreline. Yeah, it's a shame to see what we've seen over the past week with a few incidents, Pat, and it is sad, but it can be avoided as well at the same time. Uh, learning to swim is something that I put in there at the start. I, I think it should be a law, to be honest with you, that we're, we're an island. I think we should, and I'm not being smart, I think we should all be taught how to swim through school it should be compulsory uh i don't know what you think on that but i think it's i think it'd be a good thing to put in play for every single school well but certainly people going to beaches um and thinking beaches aren't a swimming pool if you haven't swum before and you're putting um as much as anything the surf lifesavers life's at risk when you've actually never been well during the week and you think you know you'll be saved by them it, some of Australia's most famous, busiest beaches are also some of the most Bondi's, dangerous. Bondi is horrible. Yep. It is a, a horrible really dangerous beach. beach. It is a swim. very, very dangerous beach. And how we determine a dangerous beach is you've got, obviously, elements, for example, you've got different sharks. We're going to talk about sharks in a sec. You've got jellyfish and the other things. But then you've also got the... The, the, the slope the, of the beach. The, the natural beach in itself. And then ocean currents which cause rips. And when you don't understand tides and moons and the likes, when we move away and when we have swell, it creates gutters in the water. And when a water when water comes into a beach, and I'm, I did my was a lifesaver back in the day, Patrick, when you are, when you water comes into the beach... You're a clubby, great. I was a club. No, I didn't. I talked for very long, but I had my ticket. <laughs> when, when the water comes into the beach, the water has to go somewhere. It can't just come into the beach and it, it has to go back out, doesn't it? So what happens is it comes in, then it finds its early, easiest way to get back out. And that's what causes a rip. And how to see a rip is... It visually is probably the best way to see a rip. If you just look at the Ocean Grove car park and you look out, you'll be able to see a rip. It's discoloured water. It's water that has seaweed in it, foamy water and bubbles. And I, I fished offshore with Braden during the week and we headed down to Sorrento. And in the water was this massive foam bit with heaps of weed in it. And Braden goes, oh, what's that? Oh, he goes, is that a tide line? I said, mate, that's a rip. And he goes, what? I said, that is from Portsea Back Beach just there. That water's coming. That's how far out. And we were probably... Two k's offshore, and that's how far the rip had come out. And if you were in it, that is the way you, you you want to get out of it as quick as you can by swimming on an angle. Don't ever swim against the rip. Swim with it and swim to the sides, and that'll take you out of it. Then you can come back in. But those are the things we're looking for when you're going salmon fishing too. So if you're down the beach and you want to learn how to catch a salmon, look for those rips. Be careful if you are wading into the water, but fish those rips and those gutters because that's where the water's funneling out. That's where the current is. All the wash, all the bait, all the crabs are getting washed into that area, and that's where your fish are going to feed. Same as your gummies and the likes. If you have a big swell that breaks on a beach, there has to be an exit point for that water to pull out, and that is also where you want to target your gummies. And one thing a rip will have that a normal beach won't is it won't have waves. It'll have very small waves. Number one, it's either 
going to be deeper water because it's a gutter where the water pulls out. And number two, the water's pushing back against it, so it actually flattens it. And that's another way to be able to see it and know that you can go fishing there, catch a gummy, or you can swim other side of it and be safe. Beautiful work, Redmond. It's time for the social club. Tim Reed has our first question. Boys, we're seeing lots of sharks around at the moment. Is it driven by social media, moans and uh, media, phones and technology? Or have they always been there? Your thoughts? Uh, I believe they've always been there. Uh, we have now two or three Westpac choppers that fly up and down the whole Ballerine Peninsula, right along to your surf coast area, right down to Law uh, to um sorry down to Gippsland. They constantly travelling up and down. Yeah. And what are they looking for? Sharks. So is it the reason that they're looking for them as well? And also, it's easy for you to see a shark and go on Facebook and post it. Where back 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't that easy. Well, no one had. The phone's ability to record and all those sorts of things. Wasn't there. Um, I, I do think they've been... It's certainly helped with the protection that they now sit under, particularly great white sharks. Mm. Obviously, they were introduced to the Endangered Species Register in 1996. So they've, they've had a good 20 years. I'm impressed years. with that little fact there. Really? Yep, well absolutely. Done. Do you want to know their scientific name? Carrigan yep. Car- Carcaragas. I watched Jaws so many times. Should be just um, Bruce. 20 plus years of being able to um, to get back up and breed and not be affected by overfishing. Certainly with what we're sort of hearing right around Australia though, like Western Australia, they've never seen so many sharks yep. and the same thing sort of being said in, in Queensland at the moment as well, even though there is shark nets set up. So it's quite extraordinary to see as many as we do. You and I love it because we both love sharks and particularly great whites. They're a beautiful animal, but with more people coming into Australia with the fact that there's phones and social media clearly it's going to be there's going to be more recordings of them i still remember you know seeing watching the sort of first versions of shark week and you were just it was incredible to see vision of sharks you know attacking or interacting with humans Mm. it was like it was shocking at, at different stages now we're seeing different sort of versions of that every month because people are constantly recording so um it's a little bit of both but certainly having phones right next to you constantly um, it makes it a hell of a lot easier. I couldn't agree with you more there. Oh, bloody Bruce's. <laughs> Next question is from Ben. With these tuna being so fussy, boys, how do we get to the, them to bite? Are we just laying? They are just laying next to the boat and will not eat. Well, you mentioned we, off. We elaborated on it a bit. Yeah, you mentioned this off the top of the show, and it's something that we've always done. Well, certainly when we fish together, hate fishing with other people around. Mm. So search for. New waters, you often talk about it. It's so much easier to, particularly when the tuna are being finicky, not to spend your time with 15 to 20 other boats chasing a school that may or may not bite. Search out new water in the same depth. It can be in the same region. So you give yourself a better chance. Oh, yeah, you're spot on. We elaborated at the start of the show. So it's... Yeah, it's pretty simple. Just If they're not eating, they're not eating. And for the chances of them just to turn on all of a sudden when they're doing what they're doing and you know they've been doing it for a period of time. But in saying that, if you pick your day, now this is going to sound a little bit contradicting to what I do say as in uh, don't go out in too rough of seas. But the rougher you go in, be safe. Fish to your own expertise. But the rougher you go in, the more chance of less boats and the more chance of them fish getting stirred up. So... And they don't spook as easy when they're rougher as well. And they don't tend to lay on the surface when the water's going to be white-capping on their heads the whole time, are they? So definitely, definitely get away from the boats. 
fish those slightly rougher days if you can. And like I said, number three, it's like the five Ds of dodge. Number three is going to be get away from boats again. So, And Ben, if you're fishing with a few people in your boat, don't all fish with the same gear. Oh, 100%. Use different lures, different techniques. Mm. Billy, the snapper craze has seemed to have moved on. Is it still worth chasing them in the bay or am I wasting my time? They are going fantastic, Billy. They are fishing very, very good. It's tuna, mate. It's tuna, it's tuna. <laughs> that has got tuna everyone and, in the tuna craze. Tuna and bloody kingfish. Uh, yeah, it's definitely worth chasing them. Oh, great fish to catch. Uh, not a bad fish to eat for me. Oh, it's not huge on my bucket list. I know you like eating the smaller ones, Pat. But it's, uh, yeah, get out there. The key to it now is get deeper. So don't fish those 16, 14 metres of water. Get out of wide off St. Leonard's. In my report this week, I've written a report out Mount Martha and off St. Leonard's. Get out into those 23 metres of water. The water temp in the bay is getting hot. So the deeper you go, that more stable weather, that, I guess, spawning, where they, when they spawn, that's when they're really aggressive with their feeding. So when if you can keep that temperature around their spawning uh, sort of temperature, that's when they're going to feed and be easier to catch as well. So... 20 to 23 metres of water out Mount Martha, out in the middle of the bay, anywhere. That's a funny thing with fishing. Black rock. You know where yeah. someone says to you, oh, I was off Bowen Heads today? Which it, When does it technically become not off somewhere? Because like you could be off Bowen Heads. You could be five kilometres that way. You could be straight in front, or you could be off, bow, off down off Torquay, but you're off Bowen Heads still. Right, in the vicinity. <laughs> in the vicinity. <laughs> so fish bass straight the other day. <laughs> Melissa, hi boys, my partner and I are going to chase marlin for the first time this season. Our outriggers a must. That screams of husband saying, I have to get these in order to catch a marlin. I don't think he's going to like the answer that you give Redmond. Because whilst they look good on a boat, you're not necessarily one that always subscribes to banging them out for tuna. Yeah, does definitely change, not tuna, yep. Does De- that change for marlin? Yeah, so in our review today, we're actually uh, reviewing uh, rigger arms. But for the marlin, outriggers are a must. So why does it change between species? Yep, so what the easiest way to explain this, because we've been smashing some time out here, but tuna, you're running fixed drags. So in the rod holders, you're running fixed drags. So when that lure goes, that lure screams off, you need that drag pressure to assist the hook. But when you're chasing the marlin with your outriggers, if you're running live baits and you're ticking them around, say, at one to two knots, and you're just driving around, ticking the liveys around, and off sunny Bermagiliat, back of Monty Island there, and you've got a You've got the marking up the bait underneath and the fish are there. What happens is you're running circle hooks bridled through their nose and as that rod screams off, it pops the elastic band band elastic band in the rigger and it then it then um, allows you to have connection with the fish without pressure, which the fish then needs a circle hook needs time to be swallowed, then rolled out into the corner of its mouth. Yep. And then it'll hook the fish and you can go up on your drag. But you need to pop the rigger, allow it to scream off with the line without pressure, and then get up on the drag pressure. Beautiful work. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodridge. That was the social club. BF Goodridge, they have been making a lot of memories in their 150 years, most importantly driving you to create memories of your own. All aboard for Dometic. From first-time campers to hardcore outdoor adventurers and everything in between, no matter your experience level. Dometic. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Our special guest this morning is our Real Adventures regular, Gwaine Blake. Good morning, Gwaine. 
Morning, guys. How are you? Gwaine, the fishing has been, well, you're safe to say, red hot, and you've been doing your fair bit of work. You obviously run your guide service that, for those who don't know, you can contact Gwaine. I'll let him throw his number because I don't know off the top of my head. I'm not much of a creep, Gwaine. But you have your social media accounts, Gwaine Blake Professional Services, where he goes on your boat and takes you out and teaches you how to do the right things to catch yourself, well, whatever you want to catch, Pat. And he also owns Salt Guide with myself, so he's he's not too much of a stranger. We can be a little bit... As well Gwaine, can't we? What's your mobile number, Gwaine? Throw it out there so people can give you a call if they are after a guide. Uh, 0417-113-021. There you go. So at the moment, Gwaine, we're seeing some great photos. You, you yourself have been uh, responsible for a few. Some incredible kingfish catches, some really nice gummy sharks. But for people um, that don't necessarily have the time to put out big hours on the water, what's the thing that's worth chasing above all else at the moment? Well, so at the moment, Pat, we've actually just come off the back of the, the new moon cycle. So we've got some really strong tides in Western Port, which is really good for your whiting. The whiting fishing has been phenomenal for the last month. Um, doesn't matter who I've been going out with, we've been getting a bag of fish. So you, know, you go out with two people, we get 60. If we go out with three people, you know, plus myself, we're getting 80 fish. So there's lots and lots of whiting in the port. A um, couple of other things the kids might enjoy is even just catching the bait fish that we use to go target the, the uh, gummy sharks. So there's pl- plenty of slimy mackerel and cow and young and yakkers as well in the port. So plenty to do. It's just about put, finding a bit of time to get out there and giving it a good crack. So when you go out with people chasing whiting, uh, what, what are the, some of the biggest mistakes people make or have these preconceived ideas about how you should fish for them? Um, probably the biggest one I would say is guys still using monofilament line instead of braid. That would be the biggest thing that would make me outfish them, you know, 20 to 1. Um, a lot of guys are still struggling with their anchor systems. So that's something we're actually going to film this week for Salt Guide and try and get people to set up properly. You know, whiting fishing in Western Port, we're only fishing in 7 to 9 metres generally. and some of these guys are still struggling and their anchors are dragging because the chains aren't long enough or the anchor's too small. But that's a really important thing. And then um, probably the most critical one is burley, getting a, getting a good burley going as well. So but also, Gwaine, just elaborate on the burley a bit more because uh, I do it a bit, but I want to hear you say it because I do it on the show. People are sick of my voice. What? Um, yep. I'm glad you cut him <laughs> off. Then. Thanks. No, I want to know. I want him to go about the importance of having the burley in the right spot. Not about having yeah. not and the right style of burley cage. Yeah, so we've got we use a heavy um, steel mesh burley cage. I actually add the you can buy these little lead discs, and I add two lead discs to that as well that go inside the burley cage to get the right weight. I'm only using four mil of rope so that the actual rope doesn't drag in the tide, because then if you've got a thicker rope, that'll actually catch the current and pull the burley back bucket off the bottom it needs to be hard down on the bottom but not laying down i like it so it's just bouncing up and down on the bottom so if you're fishing a run in tide you can actually have to let a little bit of line out every half an hour because the tide we've got three meters of tide will actually end up being off the bottom again um you need to check it every sort of 15 to 20 minutes because all the pieces of burley get clogged to the outside of the cage and it stops working so that's another thing and the most smartest thing you can do is I have them on a fishing hand reel and I put the hand reel 
once I tied the burly cage <laughs> off, I put the handrail back on the seat so you don't drive off on it when you go to leave. <laughs> I've lost a few like that, actually. <laughs> yeah. You either tie to your steering wheel or put the handrail on the seat. I fished with a mate during the week, and he goes to me, my, my, lid, okay, my top of the lid has been coming off a little bit. And he goes to me, hey, your lid's been coming off your burly cage a bit lately, hasn't it? I said, yeah, as he opened it over the side of the boat and just dropped it in the water of the lid. I wasn't, <laughs> I, 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 that was one of those common sense things that we were talking about earlier in the show. This isn't all about you. Sorry, this segment, going, this segment is about Gwaine. Now, Gwaine, <laughs> um, from one extreme to the other, so small but beautiful tasting to extremely hard fighting and still beautiful tasting, <laughs> um, Kingfish, Portsea, you fished there the other day. It's not just... Right for the polo, but you've caught some really nice <laughs> spanking kingfish. Yeah, we've, we've been really lucky that the, the weather started to settle down now. It's unfortunate for the guys that they're all going back to work, but it's typical of January. You get midway through January and the weather starts to settle back down and we're going to have beautiful January, February and March. Kingfish have come on and uh, there's that many different schools of thing, kingfish now you need to target and so we've I was fishing down the back of um, sort of Point Lonsdale to Ocean Grove in that sort of 10 to 15 metre line. I reckon probably about every 100 metres I'd sound up four or five fish, but it's just about working that line, live baits, um, spending a bit of time in it. And unfortunately, great for tackle shots, but unfortunately for most people, when you go kingy fishing, you've <laughs> literally got to take everything and throw everything at them. One day they're going to take jigs or plastics, the next day they're going to take live slimies or live squid and you know, stick bait so the tackle shop's dream but um, not too much for the wives because we spend way too much money on gear for <laughs> kingfish so when you but, are setting yeah, up out there. when you are setting up for that do you have them all set up in, in rotor holders so when you do come across a school or whatever it might be you can change from one to the other if if you're not getting any takes or no follows um, yeah. from a school you're but casting you, at yeah, so if you look at my boat, it look, when I go out king fishing, I look like an American bass fisherman. Well, I've got one pole for every sort of fish. So yeah, I've got a stick bait rod that's a longer, more supple casting rod. I have you know, a shorter, lighter rod with soft plastics, and then I'll have a jig rod ready set up with jigs. Because if you're drifting the rip, for instance, and you've got liveys down, you, you need to jig next to your liveys in the first place because that creates action and brings the fish over to look at your live bait. But also when you hook up on the live bait and your mate's biting it, quite often a few other fish come around and you'll hook them on the jig as well. So the more you've got going in the water, the better with kingfish. They're very inquisitive. They're like cats. They come in, have a look and a play, and then they'll get bored pretty quickly too. So you've got to keep throwing things at them and keep them going. Wayne, just uh, before we do wrap up, uh, one thing that you've—I know you—you've—you you've, actually landed a beautiful bronzy a uh, few weeks back. But one thing that you've noticed this year onto other years is, as even they usually get a lot of them, but there's even more bronzy activity in Western Port uh, Bay this year. Uh, setting your plan out just quickly to go target one of them in the bay, what would you be doing? So I would be going into one of the more shallow, shallower channels or bays. So, for instance, the one I targeted the other week and caught, we fished up over in Coronella side in Tembe Bay. It's a bay that's generally around six metres deep. I went in there, I used two baits, so you fish the bottom and the surface, and I had two burly logs in the water, so one at the surface of the boat and one down at the bottom. 
The only difference is with your burly case, you need to put a wire trace on it because a big bronze will eat your, your burly case. So you put a wire trace on that. Um, bottom bait was you either use stingray or eel because you want something that the rays won't take because you're using wire traces. And the last thing you want to do is try and get a ray off a wire trace. So uh, rays don't like eel or they won't eat, they won't eat ray either. And then on the surface under a balloon, we had normally use either salmon or small striped tuna. And yeah, there's that many in the port at the moment. Like every time I go gummy fishing, we're hooking one or two. So there's a lot around. There was a good one caught on um, Sunday that went, I think it was 95 kilos. So there's plenty, plenty of action. If something you want to do, it's a bit different. You don't have to go offshore to catch a shark. There's plenty of sharks in the bay and you can easily target them. Gwaine Blake, who is, of course, our professional fisherman or professional fishing guide, fisherman guide um, will be joining us every couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us, Gwaine. Thanks, guys. Thank Enjoy you, the man. weekend. You too, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Red's Review for Club Marine. Insure your boat with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Time for Red's Review. We're discussing rigger arms for tuna and kingfish. They can, of course, be used for many other things as well. But reasons to purchase them and add them to your boat, Redman. Yeah, they're a must-to-have, especially like you said before, for your tuna and your kingfish. And what they are is a a rod holder as such, uh, a rigger arm as they call them, and they sit in the side of your boat basically on a 90 degree angle. I think you can change them to 30 degree with a relax, which relax, which I'm about to talk about. But the aim to the, the reason to use them is to spread your rods apart. For instance, if you're chasing tuna, you can run your lures out that rather than having the stand up rod holders of your boat and they stand right up. You can actually spread your lures out quite nicely away from the boat, which allows you to put your lures in cleaner water. So some lures only work in super clear water and some lures work better aggressively closer to the wake of the boat and that's where you're going to have them in the back of the rod holder back of the boat in in the stand-up rod holder so it's about spreading them out so it helps with avoiding tangles and whatnot it helps with also the hookup rate of your fish and now the reason i say this is you need to do them use them properly so you need to angle them forwards when you have them sort of on your midship rod holders so your midship rod holders naturally and even in the back ones as well but you need to angle them upright so you don't want to have them angled pointing i guess how what, what would you call that pat i guess running uh on a 45 40, it'd be about a 45 wouldn't it off the 45 degree angle off your hull because you're not going to get the load up of your rod so if you angle them back up to a 90 degree and have them up nice and high and the rod angles and takes off and you've got then a really good shape of the rod to direct that l- hook into the fish's mouth so it's about getting your angles right as well with the kingfish i use them for the kingfish slow trawling it separates them again and the reason you don't want to use your snapper axe is <laughs> for tuna as well if you use your snapper axe some welders are very good not as strong as a 20 kilo kingfish. And if you have your drag pressure tight, and, and I have lost... And they'll still cost you 600 bucks to make, no matter where you go. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're bloody expensive. <laughs> it's very expensive. Stainless guys are always expensive. A bit like marine stuff. Anyway, <laughs> you, you, put your, um, you put your rod in the rod holder and a kingfish grabs it, it 
bust the world, all of a sudden you're stellar 10,000 with your samurai rod. And the reason I say that is Kev, a friend of mine, had one taken off at, at um, we were off at Marlow, this is about four years ago, and lost his brand new Stella and his Samurai. It was about two grand in 10 seconds. <laughs> so it took off with a fish and he's trying to get it out and the whale gone. And they're pretty much tack whales on half of them these days. So they, um, yeah, so that's why you don't want to use them and you want to use your, your, your outrigger arms. Now the pricing on them, yeah, I'll be honest, they can be a bit on the pricier side, but well worth it. They're going to catch you more fish. I know you and I borrowed some of Crossy the other day and I returned them. And I said to Crossy, I needed two more. I said, Crossy, I'll buy them off here. He goes, no, I need them. I said, what? I could said, I said, you've got six of them on your boat already. He goes, I need 10 of them. I said, what for? He goes, I run all my rods out of them when I'm tuna fishing. So either he's doing really well with his, with his cross-country charters because he's got $250 riggers, each one in all section of his boats for his tuna that he's chasing. Good on him, Zach. Well done. But <laughs> they're about $279 for the relax, and that allows you to have the, like I said before, the angled... Um, has a pin in it and you can change the angles to get them right determine on where you place them around the boat and you've also got the hook'em ones which they're about $110 and I've got a set of the hook'em ones and a set of the relax the relax to be honest with you I don't really change the angle on them very much so the 110 hook'em ones is probably the ones that I would definitely go for but there's a reason the relax is 208 they're also just as good too so it's up to you on why you want to use them but I think they are a must when you are chasing kingfish and tuna and you can use them for any style of fishing as well. Robbie Robbie often uh, tends to chuck one up his hull just to get a rod out of the way as well when he's fishing just for gummies and whatnot. So he puts one up the front side of the boat and chucks it out. So they can be very good just to have on the boat, Patrick. That's Red's Review. That was Red's Review for Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski this summer? Get a quote from Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich celebrating 150 years. And it's like Groundhog Day now because it's time for Red's tip, but it's a tip we've heard before. It's sort of a gaffe. And I feel like this is a bit of a tip in frustration. Some of the stuff that I've witnessed at this boat ramp this season. And we've often said that a boat ramp, if you set up a camera over summer, you could literally run a reality TV show. Or just go down there with a deck chair and a slab of cotton drafts and sit there and have the time of your life. What have, oh. you, what have you got? What are you saying? I, I'm not going to go into depth with what I've seen, but you know what I'm going to do? This is half of a gaff. I don't blame boaties as such. I, it comes back to at the start of the show when I said, well, they have dumb a, people, mate, common sense. Mate, they have prevailed not, a lot. They have not had no, but this is what I was, years. No, so. but this is what I was going to say. It comes down to what the government for not introducing better ways to get your boat licence rather well. than buying it in a wheat, back, wheat big pack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking, mate. You can go to a course and they get, pay $400, you get 18 questions wrong and you come out with your ticket because they correct them for you. <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, that's... No, you are wrong because that's driving a boat. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean backing it down into the... That should be part of the bloody test. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that should be at when you get your P plates. You should be have to reverse a trailer as well if you are involved with trailers now i thought this tip was going to be about having your boat ready before you line <laughs> yeah, that's what up. it so says there in the paper it's it's, it's that's on the rundown and right, it's we'll morphed, go back to it then or it's not? morphed into a bitch with you <laughs> saying that no no one can back a boat properly i no watched a guy the other day pat um, 
so I was waiting in the in the boat. There was about four or five boats there, relatively busy, like not super busy, but there was four or five boats waiting. An old fella had his. Like, I, I'm all for learning. I'm all for learning. In the middle of summer, you when have, there's tourists, have, it's not the time. You have a lot to learn. But go on. He, he stood at the front of his car. His partner, his wife, was uh, was driving the trailer. I'm all for everyone having a go. Not this time. And he stood there with his finger. Now picture this. He's looking at her. He's point got his pointer's finger pointing through the windscreen. She's driving, and he's going like right hand down, like this, with his left to her, <laughs> just pointing like which way to go. Mate, he, she nearly hit the Hilux, the silver Hilux next to next to him. She went up the side of the Queenscliff ramp, and in the end, she ended up getting there. It took her thirty minutes. I'd got the, I'd waited for the five cars out of the one side to go. For I think about four or five, and I got up. I might have been the fifth, and I got up, and we went there. And I, and we, all, I even offered help. I said, "Would you guys like a hand?" And when I, as I come out, and they said, and the guy like, looked at me and didn't say anything. I'm just like, oh, right, mate. Don't worry about that. Sorry, chief. Sorry, sorry for being nice. But anyway, when you get to the ramp, back to the tip. Get your boat ready before you put it in. So what I mean by that, when you're in the line for your hour and a half at Queenslift chasing the kingfish last week, you've sat in your car, you've done nothing. Take your straps off before you put the boat in, put, uh, before, while you're in that line, put the bung in. If the boat moves forward five metres, get back in your car, drive it forward five, hop back out, take your left strap off. Simple, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to add to that <laughs> with the flying gaff. That was, of course, Red's tip. Uh, the flying gaff this week heads overseas, uh, and this has been doing the rounds on social media in um, in Puerto Rico, where the local police have been sort of captured uh, frolicking about in the waves. You could say really. being idiots, being idiots. And there's a there's a forty foot center console. What is the hull? I don't even know what that is. Looks like a big scarab. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute cracker. Fantastic boat. Sixteen engines on it. It's got three. It's got triple. <laughs> Mercs, and they look to be sort of every bit of sort of three to four hundred horsepower. Anyway, they're cruising up and down the waves. This is the police, taxpayer funded, of course. And then they clip a rock as he's trying to turn right next to the shore and subsequently lose one of these sort of cheap engines, four to five million <laughs> horsepower Mercuries that are every bit of 40 grand, and he destroys the gearbox on the other. So this week, we're heading international. The first flying gaff of 2021 heads to the police force of well, the police force of Puerto Rico, Redmond. Surely so. it's been stolen. It's not by police driving that because no, that is stupid. You would think that that looks like me driving. You would think that, but there's some great, um, some great images of back on dock. Literally, the police uh, sort of standing on the boat, hands on hips, thinking. We're fired. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Anyway, thanks it's good for to me. be back, Patrick. It's good to be back. Wrap the shop, and we've got a massive 2021. It's this year, isn't it? That's the year. Okay. Hopefully it's better than the last. <laughs> yes. See you next week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.